0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper.
1: Today,
0: FM. It's Culture Club time. We're delighted to have novelist Claire Kilroy with us. And Claire's latest novel is Soldier Sailor, which I believe, Claire, it's 11 years since your previous... This is your fifth novel, but it's 11 years since yes. your last one. Why so? And how much has that informed this novel?
1: Uh, I gave birth 10 and a half years ago, so hence the delay. Um, and the novel's about being a mother... Specifically, a mother of a preschooler, a baby and a preschooler. So I've been in, I suppose, a perpetual state of interruption for the last 11 years. And that's why that doesn't really work with the form of the novel. And that's why it took it so long. It took me so long.
0: It informed your novel, though, but it's not yeah. autobiographical, the novel, is it?
1: No, it did absolutely inform it. And then, you know, the human imagination kicks in and changes the details in ways. It's very. It's very hard to talk about the imagination because you don't know what it's going to do, even though it's your imagination. But yeah, it is observed from either my life, others, and then you apply your imagination and it comes out a slightly different way.
0: How good is it to be back writing? And getting (laughs) published? It's actually
1: really good for me as a mother, you know, because for the last, well, all my child's life, he's just seen me as someone who cleans up, you know, someone who cooks dinner, someone who looks after everything so he's seeing me in a new light it's been really good for my marriage um my biggest fan is now my husband from being you know someone i was sniping at for the past decade now he's he's championing me he loves the book you know that that was actually a really big surprise for i think him as well (laughs) uh, he knew i was writing about motherhood he knew i was very angry Uh, He knew, because I told him, there's a a very lazy husband in this novel. Um, So he was dreading what was coming. And like, he didn't want to read the book. He kept saying, look, you're free as an artist. You do what you want. And then he started, the reviews came out first. I kept asking him to read the novel and told him the main untruths in the novel. Explained, these are fiction. Um, The rest of it you may or may not recognize. And he... um, he didn't want to read the novel until he started reading all these reviews about this awful character, the husband. Oh. <laughs> so, like, uh, it got kind of stressed. But it's
0: not you, love. I Ex- swear it's not you. Uh,
1: no, darling, it's not you. <laughs> but uh, he, it was getting he, uh, tricky. There was a tricky atmosphere <laughs> when he started reading all these um, reviews about the awful husband. So, um, but he didn't want to read the book. And then he went on a long haul flight and I had been very aware of him not reading the book and I I'd give him, i would gave him a copy, a signed copy and wrote and my... And
0: an ultimatum, read
1: that? He got on a plane and got off the plane crying. Oh. And I've never seen in, in him cry. In a good way? In the best way. Tears of love, Excellent. you know. Excellent. And he said, this is beautiful, you know.
0: And Did that mean more to you than any of the reviews? It did.
1: Well, I've, we saw each other, we... It's very strange, you know, it's how marriage works. And you can become quite antagonistic towards one another in a situation where there's an unfair division of labour. And I'm talking about childcare here. <laughs> you no, know,
0: no, I understand. But I'm also thinking as well about the danger involved. If you'd read the book and hadn't liked it, how would that have affected your relationship?
1: Uh Oh, God, yeah, that'd be a disaster. But it's a book about love. If the book had just been angry, if it had stopped there, but the book is about the bonds, the, like, indelible bonds between us and how they would be the last thing we think of. And that's how he read it.
0: Have you read your previous four novels? Yes. Oh, he
1: helped with one of them. Like, I met him in 2009 and he helped with The Devil I Know, which is... um I told him I didn't know how to get these two characters in the same place and he's an aircraft engineer and he said the plane has to go down so Devil I Know opens on a, a plane nearly crashing and so he's helped and actually the publication he's been the one behind me championing me you know so it, it's actually yes it could have gone wrong if it wasn't a novel about love
0: Okay let's move on to your Culture Club choice. Alright um, and we always ask every guest. Well, depending on their age, sort of, what's the first single that they ever bought? But you're part of more of, I believe, a Sony Walkman kid. So it's an album that yeah. you nominated for us. That's fair enough.
1: I don't remember singles being. You're too young. Um, I wouldn't say that either. But yeah, it was. Um, it my, It's introducing the hardline, according yes. to Terrence friend Darby. I had to clear a field to get it. My dad bought it for me but I had to clear this field of stones and put them in a ditch and this went on for <laughs> a least, week.
0: How many stones and how still long did it take
1: of, you? <laughs> it's a lot of like I, I still remember it and what was this 1987? I still remember clearing. This is sort of
0: slave labour of a child is it?
1: This, uh, yes <laughs> well it's just how different the generations are now if I ask my child to clear <laughs> <laughs> Have you met that generation? <laughs> like, like we were a very hardworking generation. Gen, gen, what are we? Generation X. We were. We were tough kids. You know, we needed to be. We had to be. It was, we were reared during recession.
0: So your reward for clearing a field of stones was
1: that he parked the car and went into the Virgin Mega Store, bought a tape, an Aston Key. Yes. Right. Gone. Was it Tesco now? Yeah. And he brought this back. And I listened to it till it crackled, you know. And it's, it's, uh, it was the funk that attracted me to it. You know, it's a very funky album, but there's actually very soulful stuff on it too. But I would just listen to it every night. That's, that's what you did then, you know. You, we, we didn't have as many things, there wasn't this flux of stuff everywhere. So you'd study something. And I studied this album over and over and over.
0: I have it myself in a CD somewhere. I haven't heard it in years, so let's hear it a little bit from the hardline. According to Terence Trent D'Arby, sign your name. Is Trent Darby, who's now known as Santanda, Sant Salanda, If anyone is trying to track him down or Spotify or anywhere, okay. Favorite album? You haven't really committed to a modern day favorite album. Why not?
1: Uh <laughs> it goes back to motherhood and perpetual interruption. Um,
0: Do you not have music on in the
1: background? No, uh, I don't. I live in a house where. My husband works in the house and I'll turn the radio on and he'll turn it off. And it's, it's kind of, no, I can't. You know, when I came in here first, you asked me to turn my phone off and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was like, what do I press? I'm a troglodyte. I can't figure out how to get music from my phone onto a stereo. It, it's not called a stereo, is it? Not anymore. <laughs> get it
0: onto a speaker, yeah.
1: It just all lasts. Do you have speakers? there are speakers and my husband's connected to them and he once showed me and I know it's pathetic. Because
0: you have given us a terrific list of pre-2012 albums because you clearly loved your music.
1: Yes I did and it's sort of the whole identity interrupted thing. Um, Yeah, music was a big thing pre-childhood or sorry pre-motherhood. It was how you forged your identity You know, it was how you rebelled without actually getting yourself into trouble and how you um, learned who you were. And those things became um, very important, but you needed to study them. And I suppose as that time got eroded, music was one of the early things to go. Do you know my reading life? That isn't even intact anymore. It's coming back
0: We'll get to that. That happens to everybody with kids. I don't think you need to beat yourself up about that. But I want to go at the list of albums that you've loved. Is terrific. Give it to us.
1: Oh, um, this is just what occurred to me. You know, Sinead O'Connor, The Lion, The Cobra. I remember that when I was, I think I was 16 before I got my hands on that one. Um, and she just belted it out. But it's its very strange. I, there's one line that keep, keeps coming back to me. I will walk in the garden feel religion within and I have no religion but that just pops up all the time And I, it's, it's not religion that I feel but it's, it's that when I walk in gardens that line comes back um, Marquis Moon by television Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder anything by Stevie Wonder anything by Bowie but Aladdin Sane for that track actually Aladdin Sane the track uh, Becoming a Jackal by The Villagers Anything by Radiohead, but I said Kid A. Anything by Elbow, but I've said Build a Rocket Boys,
0: which is the best Elbow album. But what we're going to play a little bit from is probably lesser heard Television, and here's a little bit of Marquee Moon. Television, Clara. I haven't heard that in ages, and I'm going to go back and listen to that album again. Yeah, well. it's really jangly. Just hearing
1: you that, know? it's. A, I remember just walking around a mountain, listening to that as I don't know, fifteen, sixteen. I always thought I should have been in New York in the seventies. You know, so I don't know that. I I think I might actually manage to write a novel set there because it seemed such a strange and electric time. You know, I, d- I didn't mention Patty Smith. I didn't mention Talking Heads, but you know that whole scene. I find very attractive, Blondie. The whole edgy, spikiness of it.
0: I love your choice of favourite band or artist because you have really good reasons for picking out Damon Albarn. Tell us about your admiration for him.
1: Because he's he's um changing and innovating and um he's a few not many years older than me, but a few, and it's. Exhilarating for me to see someone in the world a few years older than me and still an artist and still cool and still tuned in and still creating and still interesting and vital and uh, producing new work with, you know, there's Blur, obviously, and new album, but Gorillaz and all, all the um, collaborations he does, that energizes me. I look at him and go, he's our Bowie, you know, he's our guy.
0: And you have kept up with him over the last decade.
1: Strangely, this is the thing with my kid is, um, you know, you're, I don't want to tell my kid what to listen to, but um, he's really into that kind of manga drawing. He's 10. And um, I loved gorillas. I also have gorillas and had gorillas in my collection. But I realized that it comes, you know, it comes with the animated characters, which is not something I'd have any interest in. But I thought, you know, I'll try this on him. And, you know, I, I put the album in, he was telling me this is rubbish before I turned it on and then I turned it on and he got really into it. I started him off with Beastie Boys and he, the there's <laughs> too many bad words, um, but he loved it. And so uh, Cracker Island then came out and it came with this whole, um, you know, they have the animated videos. and yes. uh, But uh, we watched this, there was this countdown to they were appearing in Times Square this is really, I'd never seen. Again, I mentioned the troglodyte thing, but you had to show up in Times Square at a certain time with your phone and you could watch the characters walk into New York and sit on the buildings and play. So, for it's a thing I share with my boy, and I'm able to put the CD in the car because it's an old car. So, I bought a CD. I have all is all on CD and we drive around listening to it. And because Damon Alburn collaborates with so many. Current contemporary younger performers, I feel I'm plugged in in some way to the world of music, without actually applying myself in terms of the time. Um, you know what? I'm going to go and figure out how to get music on. There is a thing that looks like a Zeppelin in our house that music comes out of, and I'm going to I'm going to figure it out.
0: Okay, we have, and by the way, you should see Gorillas play live. They're terrific live. Let's hear a little bit of Cracker Island.
2: It's face to
0: To be a oh, didn't know many so that's Gorillas. So Claire Kilroy, there is one other bit of music before we take a break. You to nominate your best gig, one that I actually was at as well and would be one of the best gag- gigs that I remember attending. And it is...
1: Prince in parky Quive, 1990. Uh, 1990. Myself and my little sister, she must have been about 13. I was 16 and we got on the train And because we arrived really early and we didn't know anywhere in Cork, we just went straight up to the stage. Um, They had those, they weren't, every gig has them now, but they had crash barriers where we were led into a little paddock. We had no idea what this was. And then they closed it behind us. So we were right up the front and we could move. There was, you know, a small amount of people in our paddock. And then, you know, the mosh pit was back behind us. So we were standing under this, man, like he, he was not of this world, like such, he, he was kind of sprung like a, almost like a flea, he could spring around this stage, he was so tiny and so agile and all muscle and he performed with, I can only describe it as glee, like his face beamed and smirked, you could tell he was in a place of joy and triumph as he performed and we just stood there you know, like we were two Irish kids, you know, looking at this this um, force of nature, and I will never forget it. You know, it, it, I've such strong visuals. T- I don't have any memory of the music; it's all visual what I remember from that. And it was all Prince smirking and doing very dirty things to a microphone, <laughs> which, were, you know, for myself and my thirteen year old sister, were it was just great. You know, and everyone was screaming. It was it was um, exhilarating.
0: We don't have anything from that geek Cork, but here is Prince singing live, I would die for you.
2: I'll forgive you by and by, cause you say, I would not want you to stay. Double if you want me to you. I would not want you to stay. I'm not your lover, but i will be your friend. I am something that you never comprehend. No need to worry, no need to cry.
0: He's on side, the i you. Prince, one of the very best acts of was possible to see in a live performance. Claire Kilroy is with us. She's the author of Soldier Sailor, and she'll be back with the second part of the Culture Club after we've taken the traffic. Welcome back to the Culture Club here on the last word in today FM. Claire Kilroy of author of Soldier Sailor is with us doing the last words culture club today. So we've gone through all the music, Claire. So let's move on to things such as movies. You've nominated a movie which has come up many times here. Um Although you set us a challenge, as to find an extract that uh, we could play uh, that wouldn't get us in trouble with the censors, you've gone for the big Lebowski.
1: Yes, and I've struggled trying to find because it's the reason why I picked it. Um, is it makes me happy? You know, it's a good reason. It makes, and actually, it makes us as a family happy. We sit there. It, uh, it's every so often, my husband will just turn it on in the middle. And we'll start laughing. It doesn't and
0: matter where you, no, you enter the movie.
1: No, I, I, the plot, the plot's kind of bizarre anyway. But what it is about this movie is, again, I, I, I refer to Prince and the glee, his obvious glee in performing. And these actors, are, you could see their glee with this um, dialogue. I think the whole film is full of glee because there's so many little details. Like we, the bit we watched maybe last week, um they come out and your man's car is stolen and they go, oh my God, the car is stolen. But the bit that isn't remarked upon is that he'd parked in the wheelchair space. You know, he's not in a wheelchair. It's just full of these little tiny details. But it's with it, it's in our lexicon to quote from this movie constantly. Um, and that's where we can't use... Because <laughs> there's a lot of bad language, but there's a lot of... Um, like the one we use uh, a lot is, uh, that rug really tied the room together. Because it, it's absolutely... Not the right response to the situation in hand, or he's a good man, and thorough that's uh, Julian Moore disaggression um, will not stand. you know it just it can be applied, you know, say what you like about the tenets of national socialism, at least it was an ethos. It it, it it can be applied to any kind of absurd situation, which life presents a lot of absurd or either just extremely dull problems, and in within our home, we will quote one of those to address the problem and then we laugh and then we fix it
0: we have a short extract featuring Jeff Bridges as the dude
1: I just want to understand
2: this sir every time a rug is miterated upon in this fair city I have to compensate the person come on man I'm not trying to scam anybody here uh you know I'm just uh you're just looking for a handout like every other are you employed Mr. Lebowski wait, wait let me let me explain something to you um I am not Mr. Lebowski You're Mr. Lebowski I'm the dude So that's what you call me You know uh, That or uh, his dudeness Or uh duder Or uh, you know El Duderino If you're not into the whole brevity thing uh, Are you employed sir Employed <laughs> You don't go out looking for a job Dressed like that do you On a weekday Is this a What day is this
0: David Big Lebowski. Okay, give us a favorite play or musical theater show.
1: I've gone with Crap last Tape by Beckett. I'd also kind of tie A Joe by Beckett in there. Um, there, we're, we're into the serious stuff now. This is um, it is actually quite surprises me now as I am a middle aged woman, but I was onto this one quite young. You know, as um late teens. I was already on on the Beckett. Um, not the absurdism. But this uh, he writes about regret. He writes about regret in matters of the heart. And both plays that I've mentioned just there are about regret by male protagonists about how they treated women when they were young men, which is um, very interesting, you know, and, and not something that was being written about that much during Beckett's time. Um, Crap's Ass Tape is about a, a man who had planned on being a great writer and he dumped a girl because he had this great work. He talks about the great fire that is in me now. However, it set with him as an old man and it didn't pan out for him and he's poor and eating bananas and listening to these tapes he made of his, that's sort of a taped diary about the great work that he's going to write and how he had to break up with Bianca, I think her name is, and... um her reaction to it and that tape gets played twice and it ends on him dumping Bianca oh, but he's an old man listening to himself dumping Bianca and realising what a great mistake he's made and I'm pre- I saw John Hurt playing this We
0: have an oh. extract with John Hurt Lovely. in Crab's Last Tape Fanny came in a couple of times
2: Bony old ghost of a whore, I couldn't do much. But I suppose better than a kick in the crutch. The last time wasn't so bad. How do you manage it, she said, at your age? I told her I'd been saving up for her all my life. I went to vespers once, like when I was in short trousers. I went to sleep and fell off the pew. sometimes wandered in the night if a last effort heightened. Oh, finish your booze now and get to your bed. Go on with this drivel in the morning. Oh, leave it at that. Like that.
0: John Hurt in Crap's Last Tape. Favourite book or author? You have actually managed to give us one, which is unusual. Most authors come into us and try to give us long lists. You've actually managed to give us one standout book and author.
1: Lolita by Vladimir Nabokov. I've always called him Nabokov, but apparently it's he wrote in his... Um, speak memory which he wanted to call speak namazane namazane he's <laughs> the I proved the point his publisher wouldn't let him call it speak namazane cuz people couldn't say namazane so speak memory he wrote that his name rhymes with gok of so and it's probably vladimir nabokov lolita which um it's a kind of a moral compass novel i read it at 16 and had one, I read one book, you know, and I was almost cheering on the love story. I'm ashamed to say that, but at the same time, I think it's very important to acknowledge these things that your um, attitudes change over time. So at 16, I read that book. I read it again, maybe 1920, um, and i was still seeing it as a love story. Uh, next time I read it, maybe late 20s, and I was then beginning to see that this is... Um, creepy and sinister and certainly the last time I read it it was about murdering a child. I had done a full 360 and the thing is with, this is a, a work of genius, And the thing is the book hasn't changed. I've changed. Um, my morality has changed and that's what art is supposed to do to make you reflect on on your own person or this world we're in. And there is no book I know that, well, okay, Ulysses, that makes you look at yourself and see how you've become a different person. Like Ulysses, I'd read, and I used to read it for Stephen Daedalus. Now I read it as Leopold Bloom, the man who lost a child. And it's his story for me now. So, you know, the the really fine works of art um, read us.
0: Let's hear a little bit of Lolita, read by Jeremy Earns.
2: I do not know if the Pimp's album may not have been another link in the daisy chain, but soon after, for my own safety, I decided to marry. It occurred to me that regular hours, home-cooked meals, all the conventions of marriage... The prophylactic routine of its bedroom activities, and, who knows, the eventual flowering of certain moral values, of certain spiritual substitutes, might help me, if not to purge myself of my degrading and dangerous desires, at least to keep them under pacific control. A little money that had come my way after my father's death, nothing very grand, the mirana had been sold long before, in addition to my striking, if somewhat brutal, good looks, allowed me to enter upon my quest with equanimity. After considerable deliberation, my choice fell on the daughter of a Polish doctor. The good man happened to be treating me for spells of dizziness and tachycardia. We played chess, his daughter watched me from behind her easel, and inserted eyes or knuckles borrowed from me into the cubistic trash that accomplished misses then painted instead of lilacs and lambs. Let me repeat with quiet force. I was, and still am, despite mes malheurs, an exceptionally handsome male.
0: Brilliantly read by Jeremy Irons. Television. Like so many, you've gone for Top of the Pops as your f- favourite childhood
1: TV show. Yeah, like, it was a big deal. You know, the whole week was about Thursday. And, Because um, you never knew what you were going to see, and especially... You know, Ireland back then was it was um, not a very colourful place, and you turned this on, and you, you just um, were surprised and happy and free for that time. You know, I, I remember C- Kate Bush yes. seeing her there and being mesmerised. You know, first time I saw so Kate Bush, um, I remember Wuthering Heights. I would have been very young, but it, it's there, and then um, Adamant. And without those kind of colours, like I was, I was actually listening to Adamant Prince Charmaine, Ridicule is nothing to be scared of. I mean, that's a great song for a kid to listen to, and and to to be sort of this declarative declaring of self it was a was a great lesson for kids to learn that you know, especially Irish kids. You know, we didn't we didn't have any um, we were not encouraged to declare ourselves. So that was. Um, exciting.
0: And modern day television, we have an awful lot of stuff in common from this list that I see but there's one I want to ask you about in particular because I've come to it late, despite the fact it was recommended in our TV and streaming spot on many occasions I've only recently watched Happy Valley. I have two episodes left in the third series and with Sarah Lancashire, it is stunning.
1: Yes yes, she is wonderful. I love her and I th- I think what's unique about Happy Valley for me is that it reveals how this one woman is carrying almost a community. You know, she's responsible for her grandson. She's responsible for her sister who's an alcoholic. She really helps as a policewoman in a way that um, the authoritative, no authoritarian model, we're supposed to be a- authoritative parents, but not authoritarian. The authoritarian model doesn't help, but she's authoritative. And to see the celebration of of this woman's work, um, Catherine, gosh, I can't say her surname, her character's surname. Cahill, isn't it? Cahill anyway, Wood. Wood. To, to see um, just an acknowledgement, even reveal what a, a female police officer is doing all that. And she's not promoted. I mean, she's, she's in uniform the whole time. But yeah, you've really got a treat with the ending because I found myself getting weepy, and you don't generally don't get. Don't ruin it from you I'm not <laughs> I won't. It's because it's not about the denouement of of uh, Tommy Lee Joyce. It's about her, and she's so um, vulnerable, but tough, and I felt weepy many times towards the end of Series 3.
0: Unfortunately, I don't have time to play a clip or to get to your hidden treasure because we've been talking so much. We've gone over the time. Claire Kilroy, thank you so much for being with us. Your novel, Soldier, Sailor. Congratulations on it. And that is all we have time for this evening. We're back tomorrow at half-hour. Until then, for me, Matt Cooper, have a very good evening. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.